You're listening to the Original Judo Podcast. This is episode 27. guys welcome to the show today we've got a british athlete um, on the line we're gonna be having a chat with him he is a two-time national champion at seniors he's three times national champion at juniors and most recently he won a bronze medal in the cancun grand prix um delighted to say we've got philip awiti alcaraz on the line hey phil how you doing i'm good thank you mate how are you <laughs> I'm good. Thank you very much. Look, thanks so much for giving up your time to come on the show. I do really appreciate it. No problem. Yeah, hopefully the people listening will get something out of this as well. So, could you tell us like how you yeah found your way into judo? Yeah. So basically, when I was younger, I was quite quite active, quite hyper, and my older cousins all did judo. But at the time, I was doing like I was doing quite a few different sports. I was playing football, um, swimming, gymnastics. Um, and then I saw that my older cousins were going to judo, so I wanted to try that as well. So I was seven years old. Yeah, seven when I started out at Enfield Judo Club. Um, and I just, like, from there, I just I enjoyed it so much. You know, it was a chance for me to get all my energy. Yeah, it was just, it was a perfect sport for me and um, so out of all them sports I was doing I think that was just the one that I, hooked, that I got hooked on and I just stuck with it and yeah that's that's pretty much how I got into it Cool so are you from a judo family? Yeah so all my older cousins did it before me and they sort of set the trend and then now me and all my younger brothers we and sister we all do it now so we kind of took it over from them. <laughs> okay, so who who win, who's the king of the house at the moment then? Oh, come on, that's a, that's a silly question. That's me, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I, you know, I, I maybe give it to my, my dad or brother because I don't live at home anymore. So, But when I go back, then okay. I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, could, you, could you talk us through then some of the heights of your career? Be that results or maybe events you've been to, those that kind of thing? Yeah, so there's a few different like me personally I don't I don't just judge the highlights and just of, of results but whether I think for me personally it's more about moments and just experiences. So I would say that one of one of my favourite highlights was definitely when I fought the senior world championships in two thousand and thirteen. It's the only world championships I've fought like senior and um and I, I was a junior when I was doing it, so for me it was a really big thing to get selected, and I was really excited. And just fighting in front of that many, in front of that many people, such a big crowd in such a big stadium was just a real eye-opener for me, and, and made me even more hungry to get to to where I wanted to be in judo, and and um, yeah, just sort of set the bar at a level for me. And another, another one I'd say was probably the first time I fought Paris. That crowd was was the biggest crowd I've ever fought in front of. And I just remember the moment I walked out from the from the um the holding pen and I just felt the atmosphere and I couldn't even look up I was just so I don't know, I just I I didn't think I'd be there. Do you know what I mean? So I was very excited and nervous and just ready to fight and stuff. 
and then I, I pulled off a really big throw in my first fight, which was because like a really, I don't know, just a, that was one of the highlights of my career because it was just the odds were against me kind of thing, and then I, I managed to overcome it. And yeah, it was just a really. I think that was definitely one of the one of the highlights of my career. Was that um, 2016 when you had, uh, was it Beaker, Gvinashvili yeah, in the, the first yeah, round? Yeah, Beaker, really in the first round. And because obviously he was doing really well and stuff like that. So I think everyone sort of thought, oh, we'll give it a go. But, you know, it's, it's him at the end of the day, so it's going to be tough. And then I sort of, in my head, it was like I proved everyone wrong. Do you know what I mean? And because and, I could feel that, obviously, when, I, when everyone saw who I had, no one was really saying much and it was like do you know what I mean usually when 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 you've got someone first fight the people would be saying this like giving you a lot of encouragement and motivation saying oh they do this they do that no one was really saying much apart from my coach and so I could tell it, it was everyone sort of thought oh, you know give it a go but you know do your best kind of thing at that stage he was tearing it up wasn't he yeah exactly he just moved to hundreds and he was destroying everyone. Yeah, he was Someone, going for everyone. He was flying. Yeah. He was going for um, everyone. And the, 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 the fight was like 20, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. And yeah. Spangled him. Yeah, it was really quick. So I was, I was happy with that. I think I'd, if I hadn't have got him that quick, there might have been a different story. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So you've you've been back to Paris, I know, this year. Yeah. Um, and you fought the, one of the French team. How was that fighting a home fighter in front of that kind of home crowd? You know what? I was really disappointed with this year's Paris because, so when I went out there, the crowd, like it didn't feel the same as the first, as the first time I fought. So I was, even though I was really excited and I was really ready for it, it wasn't, it wasn't the same, like, I didn't get that same feeling of um, anxiousness or, or um, the nerves and stuff like that. I felt really ready for this one, and then and then the boy I was fighting, he like he was he was a decent player, but he was sort of a, a younger player, sort of up and coming. So I felt that I should have, I should have, I should have beat him. So I was a bit disappointed in myself when whatever happened happened. But then obviously I sustained an injury, and and sometimes it just doesn't go to plan really. So just I guess. Do, do you think the crowds? had like an impact for him as in oh yeah 100% is it the extra man in the room yeah 100% I mean when you know that feeling I mean you know it yourself when when you fight a competition at, at home and you've got so you've got the advantage of the home crowd and you hear them shouting your name and it gives you that extra boost doesn't it and so but even with that it was like I was while I was when I first started out I guess I felt oh, I'm, I feel stronger than this, than this guy I feel like I feel like I should win this fight. I felt I felt good, you know what I mean. And then, so when when I did get injured, it was just like it was just disappointment and just frustration because I tried to sort of carry on and fight, but I was in too much pain. I couldn't concentrate. It was just it was just really frustrating, really. So you you've come out of that. You um you back into training? Yeah, I'm still I'm still. Um, so what what I did is I t- I tore my the labouring in my rotator cuff on my right shoulder, and um, so I had two. I had two options basically. I could either get an operation straight away, but then that would guarantee me out for for four to six months. I think the doctor said, 
or I could take the chance and just start start um, rehabbing it and, and strengthening it up and stuff. And then there's a chance that it could heal by by itself, and and um, and then I'd be out for maybe three months tops, and then back onto right. the back onto the mat training and stuff. So for the, for where I am in in sort of with this Olympic cycle coming, like starting to creep up, and I wanted to be fully fit for the start of it rather than take a lot of time out and come maybe halfway through and then have to sort of catch up with everyone else. So I took the chance and then I'm. So far, it's it's on track, but um, still got a bit of time left. So I hope it doesn't go past the the time mark because if it goes past, I think three months or so, then and it's not, it's not fully healed, then I'm going to have to get the operation anyway. I have to get the surgery anyway, so you then get the time out after that. Then I get even more time. Yeah, exactly. So is is that like Olympic qualification period? Is that? It's clearly starting to be a factor in the decisions you make around your training. Yeah, definitely. Is it? Is that something you've been aware of since Rio, or is it something that, obviously, as it's approached, is it something that's become a bigger and bigger uh, goal yeah, for you? Yeah, I think. I think with um, with that, like I've always been aware of it, but when obviously with the Rio cycle, like I said before, it was um. It was me and Ben there, and obviously Ben being the number one, I was always sort of trying to chase. I said chase him, but I was always trying to get ahead of him, as in with international, international results, etc. So I was always aware of it, but I was never in, in the position where it was like, okay, you're the main focus, so you have to do this and that, and we have to be back for this. For you, you, do you know where I'm going? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Whereas this time round, it's like, so, so I'm. I'm the the main focus on it for that for the, that weight. So I, everything that every decision that's being made has to be has to be precise and has to be smart and has to be work towards that goal of of going to the Olympic qualifying to the Olympics and and, and the rest of it. So yeah, like this time around, I'm understanding it more and, and being more cautious with it. Um, whereas last time, I guess it was more about just trying to qualify ahead of ahead of my my um, ahead of Ben my, my rival whoever right okay yeah so was was Rio like a, a target for you or was it always going to be because really and truly you're still what are you 24 yeah 24 yeah you'd have been 22 for Rio yeah. so super young um, was it was it the main goal or was it something that you thought this would be a good start. yeah it was definitely it was definitely a goal like I really wanted to go but I, in my head I was I was sort of I wasn't I was preparing myself for for either so I, I did really, I did really want to go to I was sort of fighting to go but I wasn't putting pressure on myself to say okay this is my my final last chance I was I was Funny bit, but I still had in my head if I don't, if I don't make it there, I know I still got another cycle. That could, that could definitely, and even because, because you know what it's like, the heavyweights, heavyweights can go on longer anyway. So, and even after that, if I really, if I really truly wanted it, I could probably do another cycle after that. So, because I, I, I feel that heavy, heavyweights seem to go on longer than, than lightweights. I think you're right. I think um, heavyweights obviously have 
fewer, certainly in our country and in most countries around the world, you have fewer kind of highly domestic practices. Yeah. So I think it takes longer to reach a peak. Yeah, definitely. I've said that, I've said that all along, and and, and um, which is why I think this is something that we're we're. Um, uh, I don't know if I should, if I should say it, but where it's going wrong with the system we've got now because they're they're putting it. So for, for me personally, I feel like I've had a lot of pressure put on me um, to do to get results and to get to a certain level. Um, when one, I haven't got the the partners to get me to that level in this country, and yeah, they take, I get taken to camps here and there, but if I I don't feel it's consistent enough, first of all. And second, if you look at the, the players, and it's not even just heavyweights, but if you look at the players that have done well in the men's I'm talking about in this country, look at look at the ages, they all start to do well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's all in their late 20s, early 30s. So it does take us a lot longer to, to get to that level rather than... Uh, like, and opposed to other countries where they they come out eighteen, start smashing at the sea in early twenties, because they've got the depth and the and the quality to do that. Whereas we haven't. It's a really small community in this country, so we got, we have to sort of make the best out of what we've got, and it does take us longer. So I feel that it's um, a bit of a problem. I had this conversation with so um, Chris Millwood is a, I don't know if you know Chris but he's a, like a he comes on the show quite regularly yeah, yeah, about the yeah. state of British judo yeah but we had this conversation last week so obviously at the moment um, British women are flying yeah. super strong especially across the weights so from 57s to 70s yeah. there's two or three or in the case of threes you've got four or five if you include um, your sister yeah. although I know She's moved now. She's moved. Yeah, she's moved. Yeah, um, but they're kind of middleweight women, so they've got all the other middleweight women yeah. to to train with. But then they've also got the everyone fifty kilo men, fifty kilo boys up to about sixty six kilo, seventy three kilo men. So the pool of players that they can train yeah, with. Yeah, it's crazy. They, they, don't, they don't even have to leave. They don't even have to leave the country to get good practices to to get the quality they need. They could stay here and still and still smash up this like. Still, still do well abroad. Yeah, and I think we're seeing that because yeah. you get um, the men's and women's team don't always train together abroad. So yeah. I think certainly the some of the Asian kind of nations yeah. uh, they train separately, and I think you see that personally. I think you see that in our results is how strong our women are because they've got so many high quality practices, and it, it shows on how good they are. Yeah, but that means yeah. that the the heavyweight women and the heavyweight men. Yeah. are going to come through later because it's going to take a longer time to build up that exactly that level of practice. No, it's very true. I mean, even for, it's even, I, I think it's even, even for the lightweight men here, like even though there's a lot more uh, bodies and, and higher quality for them, it, even for them though, it's still, it's still they, I think they still need to get abroad and to get them practice, to get, to get that quality as well. I mean, I think for men in general in Britain, you're not going to be able to do it if you're not going abroad, basically. But more, but more so for the for the heavyweights. Um. So you talked a little bit there about pressure, um, and 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 about your rivalry with with Ben, and I think certainly the last two Olympic cycles with 
seen the product of what strong rivalries can do. Certainly the women with, with Gemma and Sally leading to that medal for Gemma in London and then obviously Sally going on and getting the medal yeah. in Rio. I think that's a product of their rivalry and pushing each other. Do you think having such a close rivalry, because in the, the run-up to Rio you were you were neck and neck up until yeah. certainly the last six months, last five months of qualification. Yeah. Um, having such a close rivalry, is it did it benefit your judo or that pressure did it kind of er, er, like erode or what am I trying to say did it you know what I think personally I think like me and Ben because Ben's my friend don't get like don't take it from what I'm saying like Ben me and Ben are, are, are good friends like um, and we had a re- I think we had a really healthy rivalry because I think there's two different types of rivalry do you know what I mean there's, there's a, a healthy rivalry like what me and Ben had, and then there's bitter rivalries where that I think, I think depending on what you have, then it will have either a positive or negative effect. So with with what what me and Ben had, I think it was we both knew yeah we're rivals and that, but we never it was never off the mat. Like we we were good friends off the mat, but then on the mat it was game on. So I think it was more more of a positive effect for both of us. Because it was both, both constantly pushing each other to get to get better, to do better than the other one, to do this. Do you know what I mean? And then, but with a bitter rivalry, I think it, it would, if it, if it had been bitter rivalry, it would have had more of a negative effect because when it's bitter, you, you don't want to lose that person, and, and if you do, it's like uh, it gets inside your head and and and, and it, it sort of manifests into something else, and, and you can't let go because you, you either don't like the person or or this or that. So I think if it was like that, then it might have had a more negative effect. But because it was, like, I was happy when Ben got selected. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like, uh, there was no sort of hard feelings or no sort of like, oh, how are you going over me? Do you know what I mean? It was literally, when, when he got selected, I thought, you know what? Best man at the time won. So, they, like, he, he won fair and square. He got the results. He qualified. I did it. Do you know what I mean? I can't be angry at that. Like, I, I, I said, well done to him. I said, like good on you, like good luck. Do you know what I mean? So I think it was, yeah, it, yeah. it was, um, it was, it was more of a healthy rivalry rather than a, a bitter one. So I think it was more positive than it was negative. Okay, so has that changed? So obviously Ben is one of the people who's changed, I guess, nationality representation yeah. for the country he's going to represent. Similar to you, to your sister, not having a rival like Ben. Yeah. Um, and there's being the person that's being chased now, and potentially not having anyone that close chasing you. I, I don't want to. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Kind of disrespect anyone, but you're yeah. clearly the, the the number one at the category. Yeah. Does that add pressure? Does it take the pressure away? You know, it's. it's I feel like it does take pressure away, and and it gives me. Like more of a clear head to sort of focus on just bettering myself rather than focus on bettering myself and chasing someone down. So I think um, in that time it does. But then, like I was saying, now I've got external pressure to do well. Like because if I don't, so whereas before, for example, last year when I had my um, my meeting, you know, about funding and all that kind of stuff, um, I was given like a year long program. Um, 
so I had the, I was guaranteed a year to to do well, get my results, I knew this, and all the rest. Whereas this year, now that I'm don't move, I'm the number one, and 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 um, that pressure's been taken away. Now I've been given a six month program, so I only had till till um, <clears throat> June, I think it was May or June, to get to hit my results, um, my, my goals and stuff for targets. And and then they consider if they want uh, if they want to keep me on the program or take me off the program. But now, yeah. So, but now obviously with the injury, it's it's um it's uh sort of put it on hold if you want. Um, okay, so that that is taken into consideration. Yeah, yeah. Extend you. Yeah, this is taken into consideration. I think. I mean, I don't think it'd be very you know ethical if it didn't. Like if they just kicked you out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I don't think you're very fair. But um, yeah, so, so like, back to what you're saying. So that's been taken. The pressure of of having a rival that close has been taken away. But then I've got external pressures, which kind of sort of just it, it makes it not matter because I've still got the, a pressure there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a different pressure. Pressure's coming from somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. So I think. That's, if he had moved nations and, then, and I would have, and I was just on on the normal program, I was last year. Then I think it would have been a lot different. I think I would have, I would have had a lot less pressure, and I would have been able to focus myself a lot more, change certain things without feeling the, the always having it at the back of my mind like, oh, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to perform here, you got to, and you know all the rest of it. It's just it's, it's stressful, really. I, I, I could understand that. Mm. Um, so obviously, the I asked, I have, I've interviewed, I interviewed Ben. Uh, yeah. This this time last year, I think, so maybe no, maybe just after Rio. Okay. And at that stage, Megan had just changed. Oh yeah, just Ireland. That representation to Ireland, and yeah. you're in a, a similar boat where your sister's now representing Mexico. Yeah. Is. Was that something you ever thought about in in the run up to Rio when um, you and Ben were again in this rivalry? Um, Did you, you know what? It would be an option for you. Or? It not in the run up to Rio. I've never uh, like I'd obviously I'd, I'd thought about it, like loads of times over my career, but in the run up to Rio, I didn't really think about it because I was because I had my my programs that I was um I had like my funding and my and my uh, year program. Do you know what I mean? So. I didn't really have many worries. So there was not really, really any reason to. I mean, yeah, okay, with Ben, there was Ben there, but that to me wasn't a reason enough to go, oh, like he, for me, it wasn't like he's that far ahead of me, like there's no chance of me going. It was it was still a fair chance of me of me qualifying. I just, I just had to qualify higher. So for me, it was it was the same sort of pressure as if he wasn't there because it would just be a fact of going and get the international results, same as if he wasn't there. But um, like I, I, I thought about it, but I, I don't think I really thought about it like seriously. It was more just I wonder what it would what it would be like fighting for Mexico, or, or I wonder how it would work, or if I could you, you, to get my drift. Like it wasn't it wasn't yeah yeah like how sport. training would work. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's really that's something I thought about it. Yeah, well, I, I think I think I had the option when I was competing that. Um, if I'd have pursued it, I could have represented Germany. Oh, really? 
they're very good and yeah. <laughs> I don't think good I would have got that. anywhere near the squad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Good luck with that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so you've you've been a you've been a full time <laughs> athlete now for a long, long time. You were we were talking obviously before the interview. Mm. Um, you've been at full time since twenty thirteen, and you're at Camberley before you're at Warsaw. Yeah. What kind of went into the decision to change training centres? Um, so when I first started at Camberley, because like I said, before, remember we was talking before I said uh, about the World Championships, I was still a junior and I got selected for the Senior World. So I think but when I got selected for the Senior World, they put me on, on like the, they started me on the minimum funding because I think everyone that selected either had to be on funding or something along them lines. So they put me on on uh, the on funding, and then I moved to Camberley, so I was I was training there for I think probably about a year. I was at Camberley, and then so obviously when they opened Warsaw, there was they were talking about I'm gonna trying to make a centralised um, system and all, and all the rest, and um, so what they were saying was anyone who was funded who would have to move to Warsaw if they wanted to keep their funding. And for me, like the money was a big issue because I, I don't come from a wealthy family. I don't come from a, from a family that would be able to afford to to keep me training um, elsewhere. Do you know what I mean? And pay for food and pay for pay for um, pay for accommodation, etc. I mean, Luke, Luke Preston from Cambridge was already helping me out majorly. Of training, and and like I always say, I always say, it and I would always say it like I, I appreciate everything he like he did for me when I was there because it, I wouldn't have been able to to train there if um, if it, if it wasn't for him because I just wouldn't have been able to afford it. So um, <clears throat> he was really helping me out majorly, and then the funding that I was getting was just sort of helping me maintain, you know, buy food, travel, all the all that kind of stuff, and then. So, if it, so if I if I um, said no, I'm going to stay stay at Camden, I would have lost my funding. I wouldn't be able to. I wouldn't be able to train. Like it just would have been. It would have been quite difficult for me. So um, yeah, I came. I came to Warsaw. Um, it so at the start, it, like it was a. It, it was it was good. Like it was, it was it was going quite well in that. But I think the one thing I would say was. They did say when when we they first opened it, I think we was not tricked, but we were sort of told we would get a lot more stuff than we actually did get when we got here. You know what I mean? Right. So there was a, there was a lot of things I remember. There was talk of a lot of things from people that were that I'm not going to say any names, obviously, but from people that were either going to be coaching here or working here, or whatever. And then a lot of the things that like we didn't end up getting and it was like me personally I felt a bit like a, a I don't know just a bit like they got the best of me do you know what I mean told me that was, all this stuff was going to be given and, and then they, and then didn't end up it didn't end up happening so it was a bit it was a bit I don't know the word but yeah it just felt a bit rubbish really in that sense but but apart from that it was it was it was alright when we first started and have you have you enjoyed your time at the centre? Has it benefited you? Um, 
yeah, like benefited, yeah, it definitely benefited me. I got to work with Dennis. I mean, Dennis had been telling me to come to the for a long time anyway, prior to Walsall opening on issue. Like, he, from when I was about 14, 15, like, he, like I was obviously close to him and that. And he was always saying, oh, when are going to come up and train, blah, blah, blah do, do this and that, and, like, we can work together and all this. So then it, it was good that I came up because I got to work with Dennis and him being a, Olympic medalist and a heavy like he's my he would have fought my weight do you know what I mean so it was it was perfect for me really um, so yeah in that sense I did I did um, benefit a lot getting to work with him so you talked a little bit earlier about how you're you're coming back from um, injury at the moment and I certainly know that your real cycle you struggled again with with injury um, I think we talked about this before, saying it was, yeah, you, you had ongoing back problems and at the moment yeah. you're, you're having trouble with your shoulder. Yeah. Does it does it hamper you, like, having your time on the mat restricted like that? Yeah, big time. Like, I think the worst, the worst thing I've, I've suffered was definitely my back. Like, it was just, because it was just, when it's your back, you can't really do this. There's not really much restriction you can do. It's sort of either you're okay to train or not okay to train. There's not really much in between, if, if you get me. Like, whereas with a, sh- a shoulder or, or a, a leg, or you can sort of restrict or, or modify training where you can still do get stuff out of it. But with your back, it's like it's, it's your framework. It's, it's the center of your of your of your body. It's like it, there's not really much you can do. And because my lower back as well, it was just it was horrible. And, it started in probably in like 2013 and just developing that works. And it was, there was a point where I couldn't, like I couldn't even, I couldn't walk for more than five meters, five to ten meters without having to stop because the pain was that intense and it was like going down the back of my legs, making them numb, my lower back. Yeah, it was horrible. I mean, it was just it was that. Oh, that was a bad time, like when I was at the peak of that. And um, but yeah, it does. Like it was just. It wasn't just a physical physical pain. It caused a lot of like emotional and, and mental distress, and it just it, it was not good at all for any sort of health, any any sort of health in my in my life. And um, but yeah, then I went went to I had to get like an epidural and some steroid injections into my back. Um, I went to like you know the the IRU in. Um, yeah. Wolfram Abbey, uh, not Wolfram Abbey, Wolfram Abbey, Bisham Abbey. Um, went there for a week. I, went, I think I went there a couple of times, actually. Yeah. For, uh, went there for a week at a time. They did loads of um, physio needles, uh, you know, like in, in the pool, in the hydro pool, that kind of stuff. And nothing seemed to be helping. Like I was getting pain from... That, that I thought was from my hip because I had like this nerve pain that was going into my hip. But really what was happening is, so at the peak of it, what, what was giving me all the pain was I had fluid in my lower back. So anytime I moved it, it was pinching all the all the nerves in my back. And then you know, the nerves in your back sort of run through your legs and into, into the front of your legs and all that. So so when I was bending bending my back backwards, it was pinching the nerves that was going into into my hips, into the front of my hips, in front of my legs. So, so it wasn't actually my hips that was bad; it was all to do with my back. But yes, it took ages to sort of sort it out. So after the injection, it, it, the pain 
recently, but then I did get, so it took away the, the nervy pain and all that, but I still, I still get a lot of aches and it's still, I think it's like um, just chronic back pain now, just that I've been left with. But I mean, I manage it a lot better. I, I manage it a lot better now. Whereas at the time when it was happening, I, I was managing the rubbish because because it was so up and down with the pain. It was like one day I would just I would be like, oh, I can train today, and the next, nah, I can't even I can't leave my bed or I can't. Do you know what I mean? So it was a bit massive thing was was learning how to manage manage it properly. It took me ages to do it, but now it's like I've sort of got it down to down to a T how to manage it, which has been a massive help. And does that does it affect your confidence when you are back on the mat? Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, like there there was times where like so so the type of throws I was doing in, like required like a lot of a lot of strength in your back to do. So I've I've my judo as much as people probably don't realise, but I've changed a lot of things in my judo just due to the fact that my back had like I had a lot of problems with it and and. I was I was scared to do certain things because just in case it would make it like it would make it worse or put me back to square one, etc. So I've changed a lot of things. Yeah, it did make me lose confidence because there were certain things that I was really good at that I couldn't do anymore because of it. So it was a, it was a bit um it was a bit it was a bit frustrating, but I've like I've got over it and I've um learned to sort of adapt. And there's never there's never like I've learned also that. Uh, there's never just a, a time where you just stop and it's like, okay, that's it, this is me. Like you can always change things, you can always adapt, and you can always modify things. So I try not to put too much pressure on myself in that sense. Brilliant, mate. So we're coming to the end now. Um, thank okay. you very much for your time. We're coming to the end. There's a couple more things. Um, before we get to my last couple of questions, I was speaking to uh, Big Jake from the Australian team, Jake Andrew Arthur. Oh, yeah, I remember Jake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, I said I was going to be speaking to you at some point this week, and he said that he had some battles with you when yeah, you were just a baby. Yeah, we had some battles. <laughs> yeah, Jake's a titan, <laughs> think... man. He's a titan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's Jake. a good bloke. Um, but he said to say hello, so I said I'd, I'd yeah, pass that on. Definitely. So tell him so if you speak to him soon. <laughs> if, yeah, I'll pass that on, mate. Um, <laughs> But so I'm going to ask you a couple of my standard questions. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So the the one that I, the couple that I like to ask everybody is I would like you to give me a couple of fights that represent judo for you. Now the first one I want to that you're really proud of something that represents your judo. And if you people wanted to look at you know, your judo was, you go, yeah, this is me, this is me at my best. Um, and then the second one is a match that you found, like, really inspiring or that you think really sums up what judo's about. Well, one of my matches or any match? So one that's your one of your matches and one yeah. any match. Okay. Something that maybe when you were, a, you were a kid, you were like, yeah, that's that's what I want to be. Yeah, okay. Or, or even more recently. Um... Well, my match would probably be for bronze medal in in Hungary Grand Prix. It was my first Grand Prix medal, and I had um, you know Elkan Mamadov for a bronze fight, and it was just because it was it was my first like medal fight I'd ever been in a Grand Prix. Well, actually, tell you, it wasn't my first medal fight I'd been in a Grand Prix, but it was my first win in a medal fight, and um, 
I was just because of the level of player he was, and I knew, like I'd, I'd been watching him since I was a kid, so I knew how good he was. I knew all the results he'd had. And, I mean, he's, he's won Masters, he's won Europeans, he's won Worlds. He's, he's a really big player. So, um, for in my head, it was like, oh, look, I just come out. Like I'm, I'm, I'm in good shape. I've, I've done the work. I can, I can beat him. I know I'm talented as well. Like I'm. I, I don't usually I, I try and stay as humble as, as possible, but I was like, um, I just said to myself, look, you know, you, you're good enough to to um, to compete with these people, and if you want to get to where you want to be, you're gonna have to beat these people. So don't dig him up too much in your head. Head just treat him like any other fight, and so I did. And you like from when we first looked up, it was like it didn't even it it sounds big headed, but I'm not really, I don't mean it in a big headed way, but you know, you grip up with some people and you think, oh, shit, like, <laughs> I'm about to swear. Yeah. <laughs> you think, oh, gosh, like, this, this person's going to, it's so strong, or, oh, like, you just feel, you just feel them straight away. When I, when I gripped up, it was kind of, it didn't even feel that bad. Like, I was, I was really relaxed and I, was, I just felt good. So I was like, I'll go with it then. And then, so it was like one exchange, I think, we went, we kind of, just to the side of the mat, got called back in. And the second exchange, really loose, and then I turned him for a CNAG and I threw him. And there's a bit there's a bit of like controversy whether the throw was an Ippon or not, but the rules at the time like clarified that it was Ippon because of the way he landed. Like with like with a kind of in a bridge or whatever. But anyway, it's nothing to do with that, it's to do with the fact that I beat him and it was like a nice throw. And you know how yeah, if yeah. you if you win a medal fight, you always want it to be a nice judo, and I managed to do that against such a high level player, which was really um, it was like really for me, I I just got this feeling of like not just relief, but just like relief at the fact that okay, I can do it. You know what I mean? I, I can. I'm at this level. I can compete with these players. I can beat them. All the hard work's paying off. Like it's not just for nothing. So um, yeah, that was probably the fight for me, like my fight that um, sums up you, what you was about. You talk, talking about um, just knowing sometimes when you you put two hands on on somebody, yeah, um, knowing that it's going to be okay. I fought Mamadov a um, few years before you did, but yeah. it was my second fight in Paris. Oh, right, and, yeah. um, I had the opposite experience. Yeah, so I had two hands on and I immediately went, oh shit, this is going to be rough. And he spangled me with Tigaruma. It's this, that long ago, Tigaruma, um, in like the first exchange. Second exchange, I've been a little bit more cagey. I've come out yeah. and he's done me with Sodi to the other side. Oh, oh it was hard. Like 30 seconds, two exchanges. Magic judo player. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, that's a great, great fight. Awesome. Um, and then, yeah, the other one would be, yeah, what what would your other fight be? I think the 81's final. Well, the 81 semis, first of all, just because the way, like, so Travis Stevens against um, Ole Hishong in London, the semi-finals, that was really good to watch because it was just so intense and they both wanted it so bad and there was a bit where they squared up and then, but then they shook hands after, which kind of, which kind of shows you that's, that's, the, that's Judo right there, like, the, the respect they had, do you know what I mean? So there's that, but then I think the main one was probably the Olympics, the the final day ones when Ole Bishop fought um, Kim Jae Bum, because um, it was just like 
how how does that happen when you fight someone four years earlier in the same final, but then the tables turned and it was just they fought so hard and so like it was this it was just a graft from the start and they both wanted it so bad. But the thing that got me was just the when the bell when the bell went and and um the Korean like obviously had won and it was just that that relief, like that's what that's that look on his face and that reaction and everything is what every judo player sort of strives for. It's their, their kind of ultimate dream. Do you know what I mean? To do that in an Olympic final and just and, and just soak it all in and stuff. And then not only that, but then afterwards, when they shook hands, like they had like a sort of like a moment, do you know what I mean? They sort of embraced each other and they both knew like it was not, not there was no hard feeling. It was like, well, it was your turn kind of thing. And we were both here four years ago, and it was the other way around. And they both knew exactly how the other one was feeling. It was just mental. I think that that probably sums up judo for me. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. So we had a, quite a few people mention the 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 semi final, but no one's come up with the final yet. Um, yes. That's 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 a really good answer. So what I'll um what I do try and do is put up find a copy of the video of the fights and uh, stick it up on on the website. So I'll yeah. try and get them up. Awesome. And then the last one, the last the last yeah. question is, if a young athlete came up to you and said, what can I do to be like you? What would be the, the, the best bit of advice that you could pass on to him? You know, to be like me. To, to, to be like you or, you know, to... To be like, just, um, to get to yeah, the top to, of their game. To go on that same path, to get to the yeah. top. And, yeah. Uh, um, where do I start? Uh... <laughs> no, I'm um, first of all always make sure you're having fun like as much as much as it can as much as that is applicable if you know what I mean try and enjoy try and enjoy the journey and try and try and um, enjoy it where you can and don't put too much pressure on yourself first second don't fall into a system where you feel you're if you feel something's not right say it it doesn't matter who you're saying it to or who, who the person is. If if you feel like something isn't right and you'll be made to do it, just say it because at the end of the day, it's your health and it's your life that that you're you're um sort of risking on, on these things. So you've got you've got to do it the right way in the way that you that you feel feel um is safe to do. So there's that and I don't know, just work hard um, as much as as much as I've been known as like uh, lazy and, and all this, I still say work. Definitely got to work hard because it's um it's key. Because if you like people, a lot of people say it's quite cliche. Like what hard work will be talent, but but it is true in in a lot of cases that that um, hard work will be, be talent. And and if you've got talent, and then you put in that hard work. It's just who's who's more likely to win. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, work hard. Don't be don't be afraid to say no, and just enjoy the journey. The outcome will come if if it's meant to be. It's meant to be. But as long as you enjoy the journey, make it create experiences and and um and stay true to yourself. I say that's the biggest one. Nah, Phil, I love that. That's brilliant. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> are you are you are you plugging anything at the moment? Are you 
doing I don't know master classes or anything. Uh, no, well, I, I I do want to do them, but I haven't like I haven't um, I haven't sort of set up or put put any advertisement for anything yet. I mean, like, when I, I did, I went to the Tunbridge camp like over the Christmas period with a, with a few of the players from like a few of the younger London players, and I was I was sort of coaching for them. And then um, I was having a chat with a few of the coaches there, like I was chatting to Chris and uh, Ben Irvin and that, and they were saying that yeah, like they they would like to do some master classes on me and stuff. So I mean, I'm I'm open to any sort of um, any of that kind of business and stuff. I just haven't really I haven't really looked into it yet. Cool. Well, if you get any dates or if anyone, um, we've, we've got a few hundred listeners. If anyone is listening yeah. to this and um, wants to take fill up on that please get in touch or if again Phil if you let it down the line if you get some dates let me know and I will I'll do my best to promote them definitely, definitely. Um, if people want to find out a little bit more about you or want to follow your journey are you on social media yeah I think yeah probably Twitter is the best and my Twitter is P-A underscore Alcaraz A-L-C-A-R-A-Z um, yeah, so if anyone wants to follow me on Twitter, feel free. If if anyone wants any master classes or is interested in, in that kind of that kind of thing, just get in contact and we can we can talk. No worries, mate. Thank you so much for giving me your time. I really appreciate. Uh, yeah. No, it was it was fun. Thank you. It was fun. I, I feel like it's a weight off my chest. well um what i do what i would like to do is kind of just get like a five minute catch up with people in like six months time just to see how things are going so if if you'd be up for coming back on for five minutes that'd be awesome yeah definitely Um, definitely. phil thanks a lot mate thanks a lot Cheers, cheers That's the end of the show, guys. As ever, big thanks to Phil for coming on and being so open and, and happy to chat. Really enjoyed having you on and hopefully we'll get you back on in a few months to talk about how things are going. And especially with the Olympic qualification all but started, best of luck for the next couple of years. Any luck, this episode will be out making it the fourth week in a row where I've managed to get an episode out. And it's again, it's only down to people willing to come on that um, I'm able to do that so everybody who's come on so far thank you very much with that in mind though I know I did encourage a few months ago people to try starting their own podcasts as there isn't enough on judo out there Um, if I can manage it I'm sure there's people far more IT savvy than me and be able to put something far better together um, however, if you are a bit unsure how to get started or you have an idea you think would go great on the show, please get in touch. It'd be great to hear from you. Um, catch me on Facebook or Twitter. It's at Original Judo Pod or on our brand spanking new email, Original Judo Pod at Outlook.com. And go leave a review wherever you download your podcasts. Cheers, guys. Catch you later.